Good morning. My name is Mike. I'm one of the pastors here. Thanks so much for hanging out with us. Um, humans are great at, at kind of riding the fence, or at least I am great at that. See, in parts of my life, I'm decisive. Like, I can, I can make decisions and dismiss other things and just go. Uh, and, and when I do that, I often just kind of don't look back and go for it. But if you ask me, hey, yes or no, then I'm like, well, I mean, well, it's yes, but I, but I want to give all kinds of other information in there. And so yes or no's or, or black and whites are, are a little more difficult. Um, I always want to explain with like greater context, and I, and I often don't want to commit with certainty unless I am like completely sure of whatever it is that I'm going at. And, and that's just for silly stuff. I, I guess what I mean is declaring absolutes are a little difficult. Like... If you, if you ask me what my favorite movie was, or what my favorite car is, or what my favorite book is, or song, or color, or restaurant, um, I can't just, just give you the answer, because I, wanted, I, I would ask like, for a, a further like, category. Well, well like, what do you mean? Like, what type of movie? Or what? So, because all those categories yield different lists, right? And so it's tough for me to just declare things. Whether it's in, in fun, kind of get to know you, or, or if it's in the weightier questions of life, like vague wins the day. And I don't think that's just true for me, but that's true for a lot of people. And I don't, I don't mean just decision making, I mean like what is, what is true. Um, humans are also great at saying things that are not true. We lie. And I don't think that's me being cynical here, I, I'm fairly confident that if we were to roll the film on the last few months of your life, you either have said things that were simply not true, or you were tempted in great ways to say things that were not true. And you might say, well, no, I'm, I'm a man of conviction, or I'm a woman of truth. And, and, but, I mean, just in the subtleties of, of life, we, we speak untruths. We say things that minimize reality. And that might be... Uh, uh, you know, a, a marketing call that comes in and you say, well, they're not home, but you are them, <laughs> all right? And so, I mean, I mean, we say things that aren't true, and we're drawn to do that in lots of ways. We, we do little things or big things, white lies, if you call them that, but those white lies reveal deep darkness. We forego truth, and we do it from birth. You don't have to teach your kids to lie, and you know that. No one taught you to lie. What taught you to lie was the idea of self-perseverance and, and self-preservation, and, and you, you found out when you were this big that if I say that I didn't do that, that, that that might be better for me. And it might even be worse for my sibling. Right? That's a win-win. And, and so we're just, we're just trained to do that. So, so we, we uh, misguide or we minimize reality or we, we just lie to overcome fear or, or a thousand other reasons. Truth is a weird thing these days. Truth, by definition, is this, in accordance with fact or reality. It is accurate or exact. That's what truth is. But if there was ever a time when truth was on trial, it, it would be today. And, and not only do we have these cultural delusions that just eliminate the notion of truth altogether, and so we say things like, ah, live your truth, or, or your truth, or my truth, or, or no truth, or, or nothing but the truth, like the the absence of truth is a cultural pandemic. 
And what I would say is if everything is true, then nothing's true at all. But then there's also like technology that doesn't help. And, and there, there are things that, that come out like, like fake news and, and we pass things on that, that are not substantiated. And, and, and that's another thing, that, that we share things that aren't true. And then we believe things that, that others say that, that we trust them, but, but, but they weren't sharing trustworthy information. Or then you have these, this idea of like deep fakes. And I don't know if you know what this is, but it's like a, a real thing that you can watch a video of somebody saying something. That they just never said. And you're like, well, well, what do you mean they never said it? I, I just saw them saying it. But they didn't. And, and what I uh, discovered in the last few weeks, that in the next six months, certainly in the next year, these editing programs will be so good that you will not be able to differentiate what is true. And so you could say, ah, oh, big deal. Oh, that's funny. Or the internet or memes or whatever. But, but here's the thing, that the majority of government agencies across the world... They know that this is not a game. And, and so they, they are CIA, FBI, trying to figure out how do we combat these technologies with technologies that allow us to tell what's true. And you can just imagine the danger of, of being able to produce something that, that is, uh, up until this point, if you see video of it, then it happened. But, but now that's, that's not true. And so there's all kinds of stuff. So it's tough for a culture that believes anything all right, And it can be a bit much, it can be confusing, it can be frustrating, it can be disorienting. But do you know who doesn't ride the fence? Who never lies? Who never struggles with what is true? His name is Jesus. And, and today's sermon is a little different, it's like a buckshot. There's just lots of stuff, and it doesn't have like a, an arc like we kind of normally do, but, uh, and, and it's not... Exp- uh, it's not an exposition of a particular text, but, but if it was, it would be kind of this one. It's, it's anchored in John 14, and, and I want to read 6 and 7 in just a second, but the context is this, right? Um, Jesus, he's telling his disciples, and this is towards the end of his ministry, he says, don't be troubled, believe in God, and he says, the, the Father is building a place for you, and, and it's going to have like, a, it's going to have room for you, right? And this is uh, my father has in his, in his house or in his mansion, there are many rooms. And we're like, yes, mansions. But the point is like, there's room for you in the father's house. That's the point. It's not that it's going to be, oh gosh, I love glamour. And it's not that it's, it's God's making a place for you. And so Jesus says, uh, he's telling him and he says, I'm going to go away. But when I come back, I'll take you. And, and I, I just want you guys to follow me there. And Thomas, he's like the realist of all these people. And he's like, yeah, here's the thing. Uh, we, we don't know the way. No, no, we don't know the way, Jesus. We don't know how to get there. We don't even know where you're going. And so he says this, this famous line. He says, I am the way and the truth and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. And he says, if you had known me, you would have known my Father also. See, this is kind of a big deal because Jesus is saying, you know what? I'm God. The one about so much has been written. The one about so many had built their lives on and, and, and what we call the Old Testament. I, I'm, I am him, right? And you're trying to get to him, and guess what? If, if, you, if you've seen me, here he is. 
So, so he says, I'm the way and the truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you know him and you have seen him. So he tells us here, and in a hundred other places in his word as much, he says that God values truth, and he commends truth, and he commands truth, and he exposes truth. In fact, he is truth. This is hard to handle, and, and it's hard to process in our current culture where truth is like a, a subjective catchphrase. And because of our fence riding and our ignorance and our lying hearts and our, our self-preservation, and, and because so many just don't know what is true, most wouldn't know true if it, if it sat next to them in a church gathering. And, and if we don't know what is true, then the lives that we've built have very real possibilities of literally being built upon toothpicks and, and, and houses of cards and sand that, that simply won't stand. Knowing the truth shows us the way, and it leads us to life. And there are five things I want to share with you about truth. And the first one is kind of, kind of the essence of it. What is the truth that we get to know? And then the other four are kind of smaller, just reflections and, and responses to that truth. So I've shared this once before, but I think it's so important. Uh, these guys, Adam and Jamie, they're Mythbusters. And they were on this uh, Discovery show, and they would take things that everybody said was true, and they would bust that and determine it to be true or not true. And in one of the episodes, they were, they were testing kind of internal navigation and how you get somewhere and... And uh, they put blindfolds and earmuffs on, and I think they actually put buckets on heads. But anyway, um, and so they had people try to walk in a straight line without any orienting kind of sound or, or things around. And then they had them try to swim in a straight line. So you're on this side of the shore, and we want you to go where you're headed over there. Just swim straight, but you're going to you know, have your ears plugged and, and blindfold on. So all you have to do is just consistently swim in a straight line. You can see it in your imagination. Just, just get there. And you might think one could walk, and you might think, man, you, I think I could do that. One foot in front of the other. I'm pretty confident I could walk in a straight line or I could swim in a straight line. And if you thought that, you'd be very wrong. So check out this clip real quick, okay? He's swimming around and around in a corkscrew. Once again, the really compelling detail is not how far off course Adam is straying, I must be close. <laughs> but that he thinks he's going straight. I feel like I'm doing pretty good. In my mental landscape, the target's still right there. No, no, Adam, it isn't. Take a look at Adam's GPS trail. He made three complete circles, almost the same size. And what that tells me is that he's got some bias to swim in that direction. And unless he has vision to straighten that out, that's just what he's going to do. Without vision, this bro has no hope. The reality is the majority of people go through life without vision. Not vision for what is true and, and without some, some anchor of bearing and direction for, for how to get where, or worse, where they're trying to go. If we don't know where, if we don't know what shore we're swimming to, we will surely never reach that shore. 
So if truth were like a signpost or if it were a a lighthouse, then, then the question for us is, what is it that's guiding the foundation of your life? And no one can answer that but you. And you can have hypotheticals and you can say, well, yeah, it's, it's this. And then we could examine your life and say, is that true? Are you just swimming in circles? Or, or, but, but the reality is many people would not say it's this. And they would say it's something else. And, and in our context, usually it's like family is everything. Or I'm just trying to make much of myself at work or, or whatever the thing is. We have to figure out if that's, if that's uh, worth building our life upon. Living without the vision of truth is like following uh, uh, Google Maps and, and, and you've not even put in a destination. And so if you do that, you're like a little blue dot and you're, you're driving around and you're like, there I am. Yeah, I can see it. And, and if you drive across uh, maybe someplace you've been before to be like, hey, hey you want to stop here? You've been here before. Hey, you like clothes? Hey, you like to eat? Hey, you, you've eaten at a restaurant. Like th- it might show you things that, that you, you might like. And you have to understand that some of those are, are paid advertisements, right? But the reality is what that usually shows you is, is it doesn't show you where to go or how to get there. It just shows you where you are. And that is a problem. See, this tension is true for the world outside of the church, outside of those who are in Christ, outside of those who live through and by the life and death and resurrection of Jesus, outside of those that, that build their life around this book, the, the world outside who writes its own worldview, and, but, but it's also true, uh, sadly, for, for those, who are, those who are Christians who just don't know the true God or they don't know the word of God well enough to know the difference between him and our own images that we fashion in his image. The truth from the world, you might find yourself looking around at the world and saying things like, how can this be? Or, or like one of the things that I, I think if you were to record the thoughts in my head, I'd probably say more than any other, other thought is, is this real life? Because I know in the world that I live in, I say that probably daily. Is, is this real life? Because this, this can't be real life. This, this, is, this doesn't even... How can the world around me want competing and conflicting things at the same time. And I don't just mean across party lines, I mean like within one individual. They declare two competing truths as true. And, and, and we're supposed to just jive with that. I, I can't do that. The world around us wants to care for the helpless and afflicted and marginalized and voiceless, and yet they murder babies in the name of self-care. Is this real life? And, and if you read, we don't have time for this, but if you read Romans 1, you just see this glimpse. And, and you see all this stuff come unraveled, and you see that, that God said, I, I, I'll give you what you want. Because you have, you have lived as if I don't exist. And you have traded what's true for a lie. And instead of worshiping the creator of all things, you're worshiping all things created. And when you do that, Bad things happen. That is not a good trade. Or, or as Yoda says, the dark side clouds everything. That's what we see. And so, man, this week, read Romans 1. And, and better yet, just keep reading. Just read the whole, just read the whole book. All right? Uh, but, but, the, but the truth is, uh, those false thoughts 
are not just outside of the church, but, but truth from the ignorance of, of within the church. And there are two errors that we make. One is we lean so heavily into tradition that we forget why we do what we do. And maybe you've lived that life. Maybe you're like, I grew up in church, or I grew up Catholic, or I grew up whatever. And, and, and then how many times you say, oh, okay, like, but do you believe this thing? Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to send my kids through, uh, you know, uh, the catechisms and... And then what? Well, then we'll kind of, we'll, we'd be done with it. That's, so so you, just, you just hang your hat on a tradition that has no undergirding of anything true, no pillars to build upon. So we lean so heavily into tradition that we forget why we, we're doing what we're, what we're doing. And, and, and we wouldn't listen to God if, if God himself showed up in the flesh among us. He did. He did that. And it made everyone angry. It made all the religious angry when God himself showed up in the flesh. And he began to kind of say, hey, uh, you're doing that because of tradition. You should not do that because of tradition. Or the other side of it, we, we lean into to wavering, ungrounded, non-God-breathed nonsense. And we call it God's word. We call it God's plan. We call it God's desire or his design. Or we call it truth. See, both of those errors, they forsake what's true and they replace it with an imposter. And Jesus interacts with, with kind of all this in, in Matthew 15. And I'm, I'm kind of going to be skimming the surface here to get to the point. In Matthew 15, in the beginning of it, uh, there are these guys, these Pharisees, they come at Jesus. And, and they're the religious ones, right? The righteous ones. And they, and they wear the, the robes and, and they do all the things. And they say, why do your disciples... They're talking to Jesus. They say, why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? He doesn't say, why are they forsaking God? No, he says, why do your disciples, your followers, break the tradition of the elders? For they do not wash their hands when they eat. Now look, I think you should wash your hands before you eat. But that's not what this was about. And you're like, wait, I'm on their side, right? That's not what this is about. It's not about uh, antimicrobials, all right? That's not what's going on here. It's not about cleanliness. It was, it was about a ritual cleansing, that, that this made you undefiled if you didn't do this. And Jesus is like, no, like, okay. And this is what he says. He says, and he answered them. You ask me a question, now I ask you one. Why do you break the commandment of God for the sake of your tradition? And then he goes on and he says, look, it's not about what goes into the body that defiles him. It's about what comes out. So like, ah, wash hands, not... But, but how are you living your life? And, and what are you saying? And then he goes on a few verses later. He says, for the sake of your tradition, you have made void the word of God. You hypocrites. Well, did Isaiah prophesy of you? Man, he's like hitting them like real close to home. You know, Isaiah, the prophet, you, you probably have this memorized. Was it, was it he that was talking about you? When he said this, this people honors me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. See how tradition, see how dangerous that is? And so where does truth come from? Does it come from from man? No. That's not where truth comes from. It comes from God. And then he goes on. Then the disciples came and they said to him, and this is just, I think this is funny, I, I don't know. 
the, the disciples came to Jesus and, and, and they said, do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard you saying this? Like, we live in a culture that's, some could say they're easily offended. <laughs> I will trigger whoever I want to trigger. <laughs> See, this is not new. Nothing, hey, Jesus, hey, and you, you don't know their heart. Or they just be like, can you believe they're offended? Or they're like, uh, hey, Jesus, like, you got to. You got to cut that out. They're paying the bills. We don't want to offend them because you know they're influential leaders in this community, Jesus. You need to turn it down a little bit with all the declaratives. There's nothing new. It's the same thing. And this is what Jesus said. Oh, oh, they're offended. Okay. Well, every plant that my heavenly Father has planted... Uh, I'm sorry, he says, every plant that my heavenly Father has not planted will be uprooted. It's like, okay. So uh, just give it time, and they will be uh, torn from the ground. Uh, And then he says, let them alone. They are blind guides. And if the blind lead the blind, both will fall into a pit. So these are the religious rulers of the day. And he says, gosh, they're, they're blind the truth is from God, and God is true. And, and, and these people who put their hope in men, that is not true. So I share all this to show that there is danger from all sides when it comes to knowing truth. And if there is anything in this life that we cannot be lax about, it is this pursuit to know truth. Because what we name as, as true, what we call truth, will guide us in the, the micro moments of life. The human interactions, the, the moments when you're, when you're all by yourself and, and no one's around, when, when all of the things of life, it will guide those, those tiny little micro moments, it will guide those whom you influence. And that's the point that, that you're blind leading the blind. It was as if Adam would say, okay, Jamie, come and follow me. I've got it figured out. And now you're both spinning in circles. And look, whatever we believe true will, will hold our hand and walk us into eternity. There is a way to know what is true, and it shapes the way we receive and we, we interact with all other content. It shapes the way we navigate the, the quiet waters and the turbulent times. What we believe to be true, it shapes the way that, that we interact with the rough terrain and the train rides that, that kind of just take us wherever we need to go. The truth has a name, and his name is Jesus. God is truth. And so as we look in this series that He is, we are, we see that God is most true. He is a beacon of orienting truth. He is our only hope to know the way or the truth or, or the life that comes in that. So Jesus says, I am the way. Which cuts the confusion of where we are to set our gaze and what voice we are to follow. He shows us the path. He says, I am the truth, which cuts the noise and it lets us peek into the very eyes and nature of the essence of all that is true. He says, I am the life, which cuts our hearts to give us something real to live by and to live in. To know truth is to know Jesus. 
the only Son of God who created all things, who is the radiance of God's glory, the very imprint of His nature. He upholds the universe by the word of His power. He holds all things together. He has always been. He took on flesh to be what He came to save. That's us which means He is the only way to the Father. And if we see Him, we have seen God. It is in Jesus that we find truth. And that truth, as, as God tells us, sets us free. What well, sets us free to what? Well, here's the second thing. And I think they're all a little shorter than that one. Uh, we get to embrace truth. Hebrews says it this way. When you have been enlightened... When you have tasted the heavenly gift, when you have shared in the Holy Spirit, tasted the goodness of the Word of God. So, so all that is when you have beheld truth, when you have embraced truth, don't let it go. See, one of my favorite parables is this tiny little two-line deal that Jesus says, and he says, the kingdom of heaven. Uh, this is in Matthew 13. He says, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field which a man found and he covered up. Guy finds treasure in a field that's not his and, and he, he digs a hole and he covers it up. Then in his joy he goes and he sells all that he has and he buys that field. See, through parables, Jesus is illustrating kingdom realities. He is, he is giving us glimpses into the nature of, of king and kingdom. And here... This, this little two-line, and, and it's in a greater context that, that adds more to the point, but, but he's telling us that when we find truth, or, or when God shows himself to us, we can't help but to minimize everything else in this life. It doesn't say, gosh, he went home and he, wa- he wagered back and forth. Gosh, I could give up everything to have that. Or I could keep everything and not have that. But what I can't do is both. So in his joy, he goes and he gives up everything that he has. And he sells it. And he goes and buys the land. And it seems like it was a worthwhile investment. So, so we we can't help but to minimize everything else in this life. And that doesn't mean that, that nothing else matters. I'm not saying that, that when you find Jesus, then everything else, it, it belittles in value, and, and you just, it's just you and Jesus, right? Not at all. That, that is not it at all. See, when we would trade any and every created thing for the creator of all things, we can then rightly love and cherish and invest in and care for and give to those good created things in the way that they were meant to be cherished and loved. And until we make that trade, we cannot, we cannot do that. We cannot cherish and love those created things in the way that they were meant to be cherished. Really simply then, if if Jesus is truth, and he is revealed by the Spirit which shines bright, the Word, then, then all of the things that can fall by the wayside in the busyness of this life. Look, I, I get that life is busy. right? God gets that your life is busy. Everyone in this room knows that your life is busy. And we all know that ours is just a little busier than our neighbor's. 
What this means is that, that all the things that can fall by the wayside in the busyness of, of your life, Jesus, nor the word, nor truth, nor growing in grace and knowledge, nor beholding and embracing him, nor living life together with his people, which help us embrace him. None of those things can get minimized. Truth doesn't depend on it. But the way that we interact with truth, it sure does depend on it. Truth of God is not something that, that inflames with passion and then it, then it falls by the wayside to collect dust. It, it never stops growing. And Jesus said kind of the opposite of this treasure parable, uh, the opposite of this treasure hunt is, is when Jesus asked this. He says, what will it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? See, this is the other guy who said, I see it, and that is worth everything. But you know what? I'm going to keep what I got. I'm going to keep building my own kingdom. I'm going to keep storing my own treasure. And, and so for us, as we consider embracing truth, what truth have you found, or are you striving after, or do you live by? What do you embrace above all other truths? Because, because as some say, you become what you embrace, or at least you live for it. And man, that matters deeply. So we get to know truth, we get to embrace truth, and we get to remember truth. We hit on some of this stuff last week in, in remembering truth, but, but God calls us to remember truth, remember Him. I listened to this podcast called uh, Stuff You Should Know. Anybody? Okay. Thanks, Sam. We'll talk later. Um, there was an episode recently on amnesia. And, well, the podcast is about oh, just stuff you should know. And this one was about amnesia. And so I know more about amnesia than, than you, unless, unless you've watched soap operas all your life. And then you, you filled in all the gaps. Um, there's this guy's name is Clive Waring. And Clive Waring has the shortest attention span on the planet. And you might be married and you say, my husband, he, you know, he's a second. But no, like that's not true. And dudes, I love you. It's probably your wife. I get it. Um, so, so here's the thing. This guy, Clive Waring, he wakes up. He basically wakes up every 20 seconds. And he's, but he's not sleeping. He, he's fully functional and he, and he interacts and, and he, he's a musician. He, he can play piano. He can make coffee. But one writer said of him, eating an apple is like a magic trick to Clive. Because he, he comes to and he says, hey, wow, I have an apple in my hand. And he might take a bite or two. And then he'd be like, hey, I have an apple in my hand and it's got a couple bites out of it. He'd come to, hey, I have, I have an apple core in my hand. Literally, no trace in his brain of how any of those things happen. Every 20 seconds of his life, he's married to a, a faithful wife who loves and serves him well. Right? He, he journals. I mean, how do you journal when you just forget every 20 seconds? Right? And so uh, he can no longer add memories. And all that was caused by some bacterial infection that he had years ago or whatever. Uh, if we can help it, we ought not to be like Clive Waring. But we must remember we must remind ourselves what is true. Once we know and once we determine 
value and we identify with truth. We get to embrace it, and then we get to remember it. And, and I'm guessing at some point in your life, maybe you've taken an algebra class. And depending on how old you are, I'm guessing that the majority of you can't do algebra, right? I know that a few of you can, and I know, I know that my wife can, all right? And she was better at algebra than I was when I was in the class. And, and she's certainly better now. She's better now than when I was in the class. Um, but that's because she, she does algebra regularly, not for fun. Um, um, but see, like it's, it's, we know this to be true. If you don't use it, you lose it. And so what we get to do is we get to build rhythms of remembrance into our lives. We, we get to be exposed to what is true. We get to store it deep within us. So here's the thing. Why would Clive Waring be able to play piano and make coffee? This is not preacher talk. This is scientific discovery, all right? Why would he be able to do that? Well, in, in layman's terms, there's a lot in it, but because those memories had years to wear ruts and patterns for, for the synapse and all the complexities to fall into place. It, it's called procedural memory. And because he did those things so often that, that they just fall into ruts, he couldn't tell you how he learned to play piano. He couldn't tell you who the composer was. He just knows that when I sit at a piano, it just goes. His brain just knows because of all the times that he did that. And this, this should remind us of uh, Martin Luther's commentary on Galatians who says this. It is also the principal article of all Christian doctrine. He's talking about the gospel, that Jesus lived, that he died. Having never sinned in his whole life, he died to absorb the full wrath of God, to defeat death. And he lived to defeat death and to give us life for all who trust in him. Forgive us the forgiveness of sins because Jesus died for our sin, having, having no sin of his own. And so he says, this is the principal article of all Christian doctrine, wherein the knowledge of all godliness consists, he said consisteth, but you get the idea, consists most necessary. It is therefore that we should know this article well, that we should teach it unto others and beat it into their heads continually. That's my job. That's, that's what I get to do week after week. Beat the truth of the gospel into your heads continually. But guess what? It's also your job. And it's my job not just for you, but for me. Right? And it's your job for you to, to, to put into practice things that allow us to sit under this thing, to behold and to remember what is true. And I don't know what you want, but more than ever, I want to, I, I need to make truth ruts in my brain and my heart that point me back to Jesus. I want, I want truth ruts that exist long after I forget who I am. I want to remember who he is. But here's the thing. That doesn't happen by accident. It doesn't happen by sitting and hearing a, a 45-minute sermon once a week. It doesn't happen when you just listen to podcasts. This, this life takes perseverance. It's not a single sitting under the word in a gathering, but it's a life devoted to sitting under the word, to being exposed to truth, to hearing it, to knowing it, to embracing it, to meditating upon it, to remembering it. So, so how are you interacting with God? What are your rhythms all right, who are your co-sojourners? And I would ask this 
like in a, in a real personal way, when's the last time that God confronted you and convinced you that you were wrong about something? Because the danger is that when, once we figure it out, and we're 37 and we open up the Bible every week and we get to talk about it, once we figure it out, then God no longer conforms me, but I just conform God to my will. Right? So it's not just that we remember things, and I remember Grandma used to tell me, man, I'm, I'm thankful for Jesus-loving grandmas, but please, by, by God, don't build your life around what Grandma used to tell you. So make this part of your life, and I get it, you're like, I, 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 I get distracted, and I, I get frustrated. It, you can't do it by yourself. So, so come and, and make this a part of your life that we gather and we sit under the Word together. And make it a part of your life that you sit in a, in a living room somewhere throughout the week, the majority of weeks, in a, in a community that's trying to just figure this out together. And make it a part of your life that you and God alone sit and by the Holy Spirit, He would shine light, a passion for you to make this book the pillars of your life. And I get it, you might be sitting there and you say, yeah, but when you open it up, and, and the things that you say, I would never get that. Well, it, it's, not, it's not a matter of one thing, it's time. And figuring out who this God is, and how he did this, and how this changes everything about everything in your life. So, so when we know and we embrace and we remember what is true, then, then we get to speak what is true. That's the fourth thing. When we know something core to who we are, something worthy of wrapping our identity around, we embrace and we behold it, we cherish and we build upon it, we remember the ins and the outs and we talk about it. And, and for some of us it could be a girl, it could be a show, it could be a gadget, a, a tech gadget, it could be a pillow. You ever meet those pillows? Like, those people that are like, uh, oh, somebody say pillows? Let me tell you about a pillow that changed my life. That's okay. Like, yeah, you don't care about them until you need a good pillow. It, it could be a sport or, or a, a field of science or whatever. Experts, man, I love interacting with humble experts because you can just learn so much they know things about it's why i like the stuff you should know podcast this is not sponsored by them <laughs> so i love talking to humble experts about things because and, and you see in life like personalized license plates and tattoos and you can just glean a little bit about like man, these people these people are for real about whatever they're for real about but the same is true for those who delight in knowing the God of truth. God's not looking for experts. Right? He is the expert. He is the essence of truth, not us. But he's looking for willing vessels to know him and to carry on his message, to make truth known to people who can't see it and to point the lost to the one who finds and to build up the church with the encouragement of who God is, where he leads, and the hope that is ours for all who listen and follow. And so all this being true, we get to speak truth and we get to do it in three kind of simple ways. One, don't lie on purpose. Right? But, but we don't live by the law. And so I know me telling you not to lie, that just doesn't do it. So, so the question is, uh, why do you lie? It's because in the moment you believe something that's not true, you believe that that's true. That's why you lie. 
That's why children lie. It's not just, hey, stop lying. I told you. Okay. So uh, next time, whenever that happened, you better believe me. I'm not letting you know about it. We, we, get to, we get to tell our kids not to lie. We get to tell ourselves not to lie. We get to confront people who lie, but, but if we can help it, don't lie. And, and we get to be free because Jesus, whatever it is that we're protecting, our self-image, whatever uh, thing that, that we don't want to be exposed and we think it will destroy us, it, it, it might in this life, and that can be the greatest grace that God has ever given you. Don't lie, but, but don't lie on accident either. Right? This is important in the culture that we live in. We get to validate and substantiate before we pass things forward. And that's true in the break room. And that's, for God's sake, it's true on the internet. And, and we also get to speak of the greatest truth. Right? If it's true that, that no one knows truth, that, that there are blind guides, then what we get to do is we get to scream truth and we get to say, no, of all the people that are pointing you in the wrong direction, we know truth and he has a name and his name is Jesus and he is the way and he is truth and he leads us to life. The last thing we get to do is we get to live truth. And really all that is is a matter of putting all those other things together and, it, and it's showing up in con- consistency. That when we hear and when we believe, we, we embrace, we remember, and, and then we speak. And then this is critical because the Bible talks so much about this consistency that our lives begin to contour around those things. Around what we believe and around what we say. Those things should, should align. They should not be counter to one another. So everything that we do is overflow of what we believe. So when you're drawn to see or to to believe or to speak things that are untrue, then we get to just back up and we get to say, what am I believing that would lead me to live that way? So I'll close with this. There was a young woman uh, I heard about this week, and she was, she's a a vegan, right? And this is not a dietary, you eat whatever you want. Um, She's a vegan, and she has millions of followers. Uh, she, she's an influencer on how to live a vegan life and, and what that looks like and, and recipes and all those things. And suddenly, she comes out and she says, I'm, I'm going to eat nothing but meat for 30 days. And in a crazy twist, people are upset about it. Who would have thought that people would get upset? Because she's been showing people how to live in such a way. And then she, she flips the script and she says, okay, I'm going the other direction and I'm only eating meat for 30 days. And at the end of that, she says, you know what? Like it was helpful and I think I'll probably do a little bit of both. So all of her followers freak out. Not all of them, but most of them freak out. And she's like, I, I just don't know why they, it's, it's such a big deal for them. Imagine the, disorient, the, the disorientation of those who built their activity and their identity around her teaching and her life. They might be like, what is even, what is even real? And, and I thought that she was one that's, that's helping me figure this out. Now she's not even doing this. She's on to the next thing. So when we build on fleeting truths, we build in vain. And you might not build your life around some vegan social influencer. But it's really important that we figure out what it is that you are building uh, your life upon. Imagine yourself at sea, and it's foggy and it's dark. And you're looking for the way, 
You're looking for where you're supposed to be going, and you see something, like a glimmer or something, or you hear something, and you begin to follow it, right? And, and, and if you can't keep up, you throw stuff overboard, whatever it is you do, anything that you can, you can't quite make it out. You're driving through the fog, and you're following that thing. You think it's the shore. You think it's something that will, that will bring you life. But when you get to it, you find out that it's just another boat. That's what we do when we build our life on fleeting truths. And that, that other boat is trying to figure out where they're going as well. But, but when we build our life, that, that stark contrast to building on truth that comes from God, fixed, immutable, unchanging, and good. So for us today, may we be truth people. And it is in the word which shines bright, the light of truth. It is Jesus who is the light of truth. And that truth leads us to our eternal home where we live with God in his glory with all of his people forever. Knowing the truth shows us the way and it leads us to life. Father, thanks for your truth. Thank you that you are truth. Would you shine bright today? Would you show us the way? For those that don't know you, would you let them today, maybe even for the first time, consider what does it look like to live in light of who you are, who you claim to be, what you did for us? What does that change about the way that we live our lives? What, what fleeting truths are we building upon? God, would you shape us for you and your glory today? In Jesus' name.